Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm really excited to be sitting across the screen from my good friend, Beth Davis. Thank you for joining me today, Beth. Thank you for having me, Marin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get, uh, you know, we both said we get very excited for conversations with each other. And um, that started right from the get-go and uh, nothing has shifted there. You're someone that I, uh, how would I even describe you? Like you are such a, a heart pillar in my life that I can, I can talk to you about anything. I can ask you any questions and I know it's going to be an adventure, even if it's like raw, difficult, uncomfortable stuff. It just always feels like an adventure with you. And, and so I just really honor you and I'm so grateful to have you in my life and to be able to share this conversation with you right now. Thank you, Martin. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I've, I've, um, I feel blessed every time I get to spend any amount of time with you. Um, mm. And um, yeah, the, the mirror that you offer me is I'm, I'm grateful for it. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Beth. Mm. Well, I know you joined me in season one of the podcast and we you know, shared a little bit um, or you shared a little bit about who you are and what you're up to. And obviously the world um, is just moving hmm, a lot slower in some ways and a lot quicker in others. And uh, change is just, you know, I think for you and I, change is like our middle name. It's just like, bring it on and, you know, let's adapt and evolve and pivot. And uh, that doesn't mean it's always easy. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm very curious to hear um, just what, what you're up to these days, what you're, whether it's a theme or, you know, how you would describe yourself, who you would say you are if someone asked you, as I am in this moment. <laughs> Who am I? Um, I, I think um, the simplest, clearest um, understanding I have right now of who I am is that I am love. Um, and, and that is, for me, the truth, um, that no matter where I am or what changes I'm going through or pivoting or adjusting or mirroring, um, that is the truth that I am staying centered in. Um, I've made a move, so I'm living in a new city since we spoke last, um, mm-hmm. and it was a dream of mine. So I had to um, do I, like a lot of work, a lot of um, working through agreements that I had and expectations um, and releasing um, old patterns 
um, to actually get to this physical space that I, I am now um, in awe of and deeply mm. grateful for from the moment I wake up to the moment I see the stars before bed. It is um, just beautiful, beautiful mm. here. It's amazing. So that's physically where I am. Um, it's who I feel I am. Yeah, I'm feeling calm and comfortable and happy. Mm. That makes me so happy to hear. <laughs> mm, amazing. Well, you know, it's it's been a really interesting process for me moving into, you know, some of the conversations in season two have been with um, people that I didn't talk with in season one. Um, you know, on that theme again of constant change and adaptation, my, my idea of what I thought season two was going to be just ended up shape-shifting as I saw myself more clearly through the process and and really was holding space for others and honoring them instead of trying to get people to fit into the mold of what I wanted to create, uh, which I kind of knew going into it, it was going to be the process. It's something I'm pretty well versed in now. Um, but one of the things that's become really beautiful in this process is that when I am engaging with someone for the second time, part of the, the conversation is just like, what's, what's alive in you? You know, as we're talking about preparing for the conversation, it's, you know, what, is there a struggle? Is there something alive in you? Is there a recurring question that's just popping up? And, and as you and I got to engage in that, it was a little bit of, you know, riding the waves of finding, really landing on what's real and raw and then sitting with it and seeing where it took us. And it was only maybe three days ago that you, well, you had sent me kind of like a list of a bunch of questions that were alive in you that were all amazing. And then the next day it came back as this succinct one question, the question being, who am I? And, and the way you phrased it was, you know, how, who am I? How can we use different containers like asana, family, work, breath work, meditation, relationships? body, mantra, social media, how can we use these different containers to get closer to the answer of that question, who am I? And I just got giddy with excitement when I saw that. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Like, I just can't wait to, to dive into this. It's such a esoteric and grounded and beautiful and important question. Um, so yeah, kudos to you for really being able to land on that succinctly and um, yeah, offering that up as the theme for our conversation. And, and so I, I guess I'll, I'll put it back on you now um, as starting with one of these containers of, or maybe even like, what does that mean? How can we use a container to understand this question of, of who am I? Right. Such a, it's such a simple question that uh, kind of is like, yeah, where do we start? Um, I guess I'll start just by saying that it's been, um, I guess that that's been just the question for me um, daily. If, if I have a belief that I am love and I'm in a new space physically, um, how do I stay grounded in that as everything shifts around me. Mm -hmm. And again, as I'm in a new space, um, many new people coming into my path um, and many students, new students really saying to me, I don't know who I am mm -hmm. and kind of looking at me to help guide that path. Um, and, and 
in the last few weeks really kind of saying to people who are you um and recognizing the the common answer i get is a is a logical answer mm-hmm. that people have thought out i am a police officer i am kind um, and many labels that the mind or the mental body has has decided to place on that mm-hmm. um, and um, really trying to go deeper with them um, understanding that that um, I, I really can't tell you who you are um, my goal is to provide a space for you to experience who you are yeah despite everything or anywhere that you are um, I do believe that that this question is is beyond reason. It's not something that we can reason out. It's something that we come to as a knowing in our tissues, a knowing mm. in our being. Um, so again, creating experiences or being aware that that we are um, we are unchanging within the experiences that are happening around us. Um, and so the I mean the first ob- most obvious place being a yoga teacher is is within an asana. Um, and that, I mean, for me, it probably, it took me many years of practice to recognize that, that each asana, each physical position was simply a container to have an experience of yourself. Mm. Um, and, and when you can, and on, on that note, that's like the importance of, of, I mean, we all know it's, it's about the, the journey, not the destination, um, mm. but practicing without expectation and that repetition of just practicing led to that understanding that asana, each asana was simply a, a container to experience yourself. Um, mm. And there's, I guess, a moment, an opportunity um, for each of us within repetition of practice um, where we can begin to witness ourselves as separate. So being able to step outside of the, the sensation um, and and recognize that perhaps you're you're greater than the sensation that's arising in your body, the discomfort that comes up from the asana, um, mm-hmm. and then perhaps even recognizing that you are separate from the thoughts that come up. So the labeling this asana is hard or it's easier, I don't like this one, or I, I want to leave this posture right now, mm-hmm. and starting to hear that um, as something separate from, from you, from your beingness, so that you're able mm-hmm. to actually witness yourself um so i have a question then so when it when it comes to you know what you said about how you know who we are deep down is unchanging while everything else is what's changing so what i'm hearing you say is that in this container of asana as we develop the practice of being in different poses and noticing how we show up in those poses is it noticing the like the patterns of the thoughts because that could be changing where one day I'm in warrior two and I'm like, Oh, I'm killing it. I'm like, look how deep I can go. And the next day, you know, quivering and like, this feels really hard. And, and so that, that continues to change as well day by day. But the thing that's not changing is the one who's noticing like, Oh, I, part of me thinks this is hard right now, or I'm witnessing this pattern. So we can start seeing, Oh, there's actually this other part to me other than the then narrator. Yeah. yeah, like you're like almost discussing like feelings. Yeah, and, and feelings are not essential to you, to your beingness. Mm-hmm. When you go to sleep, your feelings disappear, you know, mm-hmm. so they, they're not essential. You, you're you still you when you're sleeping, uh, when you're dreaming, when you're waking, you're the same unchanging 
unchanging being, you know, mm-hmm. however you want to, to label that. So we try to put that into a container as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the, the best analogy I've heard recently was, and you just said, like, we're talking to the screen, you know, and um, there's, there's a chain of questioning where it's like, if, if there was a TV in front of you, a blank TV, do you, do you see the screen? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then if I put on a movie, well, now do you see the movie? Well, yes. Well, do you still see the screen? And a lot of people, like, that's kind of where the conversation kind of really begins. Is the screen separate from the movie? You know, is the, is the screen behind the movie? Is the screen in front of the movie? Or are the movie and the screen one and the same, you know? Mm. And, and if you put on a movie and there's a waterfall in the movie, well, turn the movie off. The screen is not wet, right? Mm-hmm. And so I really am, like, kind of looking at myself as the screen, in every single situation and the movie is all the experiences that come and go that that flow that that move you know and and you're able Mm -hmm. to kind of stay present with that's the who you are if you Mm -hmm. are the screen who who is that what is Mm -hmm. that you know what is unchanging in every single experience that you move through i think too like we all have that experience of like well like i don't feel like i'm 40 I don't feel like I'm 60. I still, you know, you you are the same person you were when you were five. That's why right. we have an experience of, wow, I still feel like I'm 20 or I'm 18 or whatever we choose to, to pinpoint. I still feel like I was at that moment. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I believe you are. I think that you're unchanging, you know, despite our experiences. And those mm-hmm. experiences really changing our personality, our, our mental body. You know, mm-hmm. and that's typically the first place we go to answer the question is, is we reason it out with the mental body. And then we start deciding who we are based on how we've changed through the experiences that have happened, as mm-hmm. opposed to what is the unchanging? What is, what is the screen for you? And what's, what's interesting about that, too, is that I see the, the, the dualistic nature of this as well, of how so often when we don't, we don't like the movie that's being played, we, we focus on, well, I just need to change the movie. I need to find new characters in my movie. I need to speed the movie up. I need to slow it down. And while that's important, it's this other side to it, this other piece of, well, maybe you should just spend some time with the screen and recognize the movie's an illusion. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, but then it doesn't, to me, once you recognize that you are just the screen, that then it, you can speed it up or slow it down or right. sit with it or allow it just to be happening as essentially now you become the container, right? Right. The experience happens around you. Yeah. Well, and, and from my experience in, in this practice, it, it makes it so, even when the movie playing is like a horror movie, whether it's in my mind or something going on around me, I find I'm getting better and better at not reacting to it and making it worse or like getting lost in the movie as if I have no control. I'm a character in this movie and this is happening to me. It's this continued practice of recognizing like, okay, right now there's a horror movie playing and I'm the screen, right? I I can't always control things in the moment or make them stop or shift them right away. But if I have this deep, sacred relationship with the screen it just makes it so I'm so aware that I'm just watching a horror movie and it doesn't impact me nearly as much as when I'm yeah lost in the movie 
Absolutely. I think a part of the practice of yoga is teaching us to, to not react. Yeah. Really like anything ever, you know? Um, and I kind of, I deeply explored that. I think probably starting around five years ago when I started exploring more advanced asanas um, and the recognition that um, oftentimes people say, well, isn't that painful? Doesn't that hurt? Um, and, and for me, it's, it's just different levels of discomfort. Um, and so I, I, I really kind of learned through my physical body to be able to sit with discomfort and mm-hmm. just stay there and don't react to it. So when it's like, oh, I don't want to be, this doesn't feel good. I want to take my leg out from behind my head. But to just stay with that, just stay in the discomfort and allow it to become comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking that outside the physical into, you know, real world, if that's what you want to call it, or illusionary world, and, you know, allowing discomfort to come up, you know, like you said, like horror movies, there's so much going on for so many people right now, you know, Mm -hmm. and and despite what's coming up for you, being able to sit with who you are, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. It actually reminds me of, um, you know, I've been playing with taping my mouth shut at night, and, and every once in a while, I'll have a, a night or two without it just to see like if I notice a difference and last night I didn't have tape on my mouth and I I had like a terrible scary dream like really really scary and and I woke up right when like it was about to get real scary and my body was well first of all my mouth was really dry. So I knew I was sleeping with my mouth open at that point. I was breathing through my mouth, which was actually activating my system. So I knew initially, as soon as I woke up, mouth is dry. Uh, I'm in a sympathetic activation and no matter like every, if I tried to redirect my thoughts, it would just go back to this one scene where the dream ended, where it was about to get like real scary and I could just feel it in my body. And so this is, I think a really important point for some people to recognize that the work is not about getting rid of impulsive reaction like you're you're alive your body's going to react but it's not reacting again to those reactions right so my body was having a reaction i was in a full-on sympathetic overdrive activation state and i just was like all right like this is what's happening right now like fascinating like moving into my body what do i feel like tingles tension I'm, you know, scared. <laughs> so I put my hands behind my head and just opened my eyes and moved my eyes back and forth, uh, doing different eye techniques that I know help regulate the nervous system instead of trying to force myself or bypass what I was feeling. It was be with it and slowly regulate myself and then connect with my breath even more and slow it down and then put tape on my mouth and I went back to sleep and I had a great sleep. Uh, but I, <laughs> yeah, so I just think that's a really interesting part that I, I've heard from a lot of people when I've talked about, you know, we want to um, get into this place where we're not reactive. It's that, that delineation between, no, your body is going to react. You're still going to be moving up and down. You're still going to be experiencing at times a roller coaster. But instead of feeling like you're strapped into the roller coaster and you have no control, it's more like either you intentionally strapped yourself in and you have control or and or you're standing on the platform and you're watching yourself on the roller coaster as you stand on the platform. 
right? So that, that to me has been really helpful to, to understand that we're not trying to numb the body or just be like chill and not experiencing no. anything. Mm-hmm. No, because I mean, really, I mean, what you're talking about is like a container essentially that you've created for yourself to experience yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that just like, it, my thoughts on that are, are really as yogis, we're, we're scientists and, and our body is the most important experiment. And for me, like all yoga is, is a whole bunch of different rituals that have worked for different people to get in touch with who they are, right? Mm-hmm. And so like each ritual being a container, and so you're talking about sleeping with your, your mouth taped shut is that's a container. You have you have chosen to create an experiment to experience yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then once you understand that control, taking taking the tape off and then having that experience, you know, mm-hmm. and, and choosing to, to witness yourself and then observe how, how do you react? Because once we see how we react, then we can start reacting perhaps in ways that feel better to us, more in alignment with, with who we are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I really love this. Do you think of the container as the masculine energy or like the, the material or the, I, I'm just thinking like, this is very similar to an experience I had in my last breathwork um, training where it was this, this realization through conversation with the people in the, the workshop that the feminine is like the, is the creative chaotic flowing energy, like the waves that can't be contained by themselves. And the masculine is the container or the stage so that this feminine, chaotic, amazing energy can be experienced and, and even shape-shifted into different forms for different experiences. So either one of these without the other, it just, it's nothing. There's nothing to it, but you bring them together and you get life, you get movement. So it's, that's, so just hearing the, the repetition of, of container, that's what's coming up for me is it's the, the material or the structure for the feminine energy to experience itself. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way. Hmm. Yeah, you've kind of you kind of stumped me there. I don't think I I don't think I agree. Mm. Like to me, I think the free flowing energy could be masculine or feminine, and I think the container could be feminine or masculine. And I think that no matter what, there's a balance of each mm-hmm. of the feminine and masculine. Um, and I guess this is also where we can get caught up on the wording used because feminine and masculine is not necessarily uh well uh, we've talked about this before right it's not gender it's not um right it, it's more of just the the energy type like the f- the form it takes and how it's that it's the yin and the yang right so i agree like it's just it's interesting like once they come together you can see how they work together but if you hold them apart then there there's just nothing there it's just pure chaos no structure or all structure and form and no movement. And so it's just bringing those two types of energies together is what creates the movement. So, yeah, the, so I guess what you're saying or what I'm taking into this now is that in your analogy of the container, it's, you can't, at this point, you can't separate it as like this container is, is masculine. Like they're already united. 
Well, I think, I think I could, but I think that that's the mental body labeling something as being masculine so we can understand it within that container. Ah. What if what you're perceiving as being masculine, we just relabel it as feminine. And now we try to understand that, that structure as feminine and then the free flowing as met. Can we understand it in that container? Is that possible? Oh. You know, and I guess there's parts of me that I can perceive like a very feminine container and a very masculine free flowing energy. Um, mm. And again, like I can imagine it. So it's like, they're just containers for me to understand who I am, my thoughts on feminine masculine energy. Yeah, there we go. Okay. No, I really like that. Yeah. Hmm. Very fascinating. Yeah, that's <laughs> what are you at? It's the the Numa breathwork training. Uh, beautiful. How is that going? How's breathwork mm. been for you? How has that been? Amazing. I don't think I've ever been this disciplined and excited about breathwork in my life. Um, which has been really great. I'm doing a a morning and an evening practice of conscious connected breathing to experience myself literally to notice just notice patterns notice what's going on in my body and building the ability to be more present with whatever arises and is it uh, the same breathing experiment in the morning and in the evening yeah yeah so it's it's consciously activating your body yeah uh to, to you're boosting adrenaline but doing it in a very conscious way so that it's completely different than when you're experiencing stress potentially unconsciously throughout the day. And, you know, sometimes it, it can be really uncomfortable or I'll notice that I'm just super distracted. I don't want to be in my body. And, and the whole time it's just like, oh, interesting. Okay. Just, and just keep guiding myself back to my breath. So no matter what I'm experiencing, I'm building the ability that for me, it's this, this thought or this analogy of like, I'm holding the hand of my breath, no matter what else is going on. I don't lose connection with that, that pattern, that rhythm. And so it's just making it so much easier throughout the day to just notice when a, a breath pattern or a retention or something happens, I just immediately, it's like my breath is my best friend now. Where I'm like, where are you, buddy? Hey. <laughs> yeah. And if you, like, so you say, like, I am holding my breath. So is, is that container, that experiment, allowing you to get closer to the answer of who you are? And if so, how are you under, understanding yourself within within the I am holding my breath? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's um, I'm seeing myself. I'm seeing my patterns, my habits and my repetitive thoughts more and more clearly without reacting to them or assuming that they're true or that I need to get into action about what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking. It's making it so that I I'm recognizing myself as uh, so much more content than I've ever been instead of feeling like I need to fix this or this needs to change or um, a lot of that has been external of like pointing outwards. I need to fix this. I need to change that. And and through this process of, of the NUMA breath work, which is different than the, the morning and evening, similar but different. Uh, I'm having just these profound experiences of meeting myself and seeing these patterns in a, in a completely different way where it's so obvious of like, Oh my God, it's a movie. Like this thing that I thought was so real and such a big deal. It's a movie. And, and sometimes that has come with a cathartic release or intense sadness 
or grief or embarrassment uh, when I'm like, oh my God, like this, this whole time, you know? So it's, I just feel like I'm, I'm clearing stuff out of my system and, and I'm getting a, a deeper understanding and, and visceral experience of, you know, that when, with the question of who am I to be able to answer with, I am. And it's not just theory of like, this is the, the answer to the question. It like, when I say that, it's like my whole body goes, yes. You know, all those labels, all those things, they just, yeah, they're, they're parts and pieces, but beneath, behind, above, below, all of that, it's just, I am. Um, right. And that's the, that's as soon as we say, I am, I am happy, I am sad, I am a police officer, I am a yogi, we've suddenly attached a limitation or a destiny to the I am. Right, like a more strict container that we're like locking ourselves in. Right, we've, we've yeah, limited or or created right. where it's going and it's right. the I am is that, that's the screen, it's just I, right. I am. And you're reminding me of um, when um, Vivekananda talks about the, the monkey mind, and yeah. so like learning how to silence the thoughts is really the goal because when the, when the thoughts are silenced, then the, all that's really left is the present moment. And within the present moment is, is the I am. Um, and so Vivekananda talks about the, like the mind, the thoughts as being the monkey mind and the monkey jumps and jumps and jumps. And really what our job is, is not to stop the monkey from jumping, but to, to, to witness the monkey jumping. Just yeah. watch the monkey. Watch the monkey jump and jump and jump and jump and get to know the monkey. And eventually the monkey gets tired mm-hmm. and the monkey stops jumping, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, really that first step is just like really witnessing what are these thoughts and, and understanding that each each really experience can be a container. Every moment can be a container to understand or experience mm-hmm. who the I am is. You know? mm. Yeah, the visual for me now is like the I am is everywhere. And then all of these containers of experiences or labels or thoughts, or they're just like little experiences that the I am flows into, has its experience. And yeah, for some of us, it's like I locked the door behind me. And then this experience is trapped in this experience or this container and this container. And then it's this process of, okay, I I found my way out of this one container, but now I'm, I'm still in a container that's locked. It's just a little bit bigger. And, you know, and that's not going to be the experience for everyone, but you know, you, you get to a point where you do recognize, like you said at the beginning of each pose is like your, I am is flowing into this container to experience this pose. Hmm. And how, how am I reacting? You know, I mean, the goal in, in, in the style that I teach is really posture, stillness, and breath. So within that yeah. stillness and, and the movement of the breath that you get to experience yourself, um, but you are still reacting and then witnessing. So the stillness allowing you to witness the reaction. Um, mm-hmm. Even years of very serious practice, I'm still, this is hard. I don't want to do this right now. You know, like, so, and that's all the reaction. My mind is still being triggered. Um, mm-hmm. But I just, I'm, I'm more... I guess witnessing it from a from a calm place. I'm not actually listening to it and then being one with that thought and responding to that thought immediately, but mm. just allowing that that thought to come and go and mm. right, yeah. not like over identifying with it as if it's truth because you thought it. Right, because I actually know it's not truth. I've mm-hmm. had too many experiences where my mind um, has literally said things like, "You're going to die." Mm-hmm. 
and and I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that must have really been like like a really huge like awakening where I'm like, wait a minute, like so then what is this mind telling me? If it's literally saying things like I'm going to die, which might be the largest fear as humans we have, the fear of death. And my mind is telling me, the I am, that I'm going to die, but it's not true. Like, mm-hmm. what, what can I trust there then? Mm-hmm. You know? So, and then there's, I mean, perhaps a question of, do I trust myself? Mm-hmm. And then who is, who is the self? Right. What, is, what does it even mean to trust myself? <laughs> right. Right, right. And then and then leads into the, the the ability to step back and start witnessing the self. And okay, so then who is the self? If it's mm. saying I'm going to die, what else is it saying? You know? Mm-hmm. You know, even even in this conversation it it's just reminding me of how like this was the process for me of why I was able to start slowing down. Yeah. Because once you start questioning everything in a sense, it really to me that makes it easier to find the pause. Like I, I have to move slower because as I feel things and say things and think things, it's also this other side of like, oh, interesting. Why did I think that? Or like, what am I feeling? What did I make that feeling mean? Why did I say that out loud? How has that impacted my reality? You know, it just, everything needs to slow down so that we have space to actually kind of watch the play unfold as we're, continuing to toss out these these things and, and see how it impacts, how we're collaborating with our reality. It just, things start moving occasionally in slow motion as you just watch. It, it becomes pretty fascinating to be alive. Absolutely, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. The, um, yes, <laughs> yes, I, I am fascinated with life, I am, grateful that I have life that um that I get to experience all these containers and and to move through um, Mm -hmm. and to understand things on a deeper and deeper level um I'm also I'm just I'm considering how I think early on in my practice I was very stuck on alignment and what was the right physical position for the body um and then recognizing um not only my own practice, but working with thousands of students that alignment was different for each person. Yeah. And so definition of alignment came to just any position that's not causing harm. Uh, but then again, taking things from the physical into the outside world, like what does it mean to be in alignment with yourself as you move through life? And so mm-hmm. then that knowing of who am I so that you can and be in that alignment, um, I think is is it's so important when you start to realize mm. I'm, I'm not doing things that feel good. Am I causing harm to myself? You know, right. so something like like me moving, like living where I was living was not in alignment. It didn't feel good for me. I was causing harm to myself. So mm. how do we move into a place that's in alignment with who I am? Um, mm. And I think that's where I landed on. For me, like it, the simplicity is I am love. And I always want to be in alignment with love, coming yeah. from a place of love. Um, and that that to me is very grounding and very centered mm. in alignment with, with, with love. Mm. Through each container, every container, you know? Yeah. I, I love that. And, you know, even in, in what you just shared – that piece on, you know, when you were really caught up on alignment and, and then recognizing, well, that's alignment for your body and that every body is a little bit different. I think that's just such a beautiful way to help people 
understand that they don't need to do a pose the way it the way the teacher does it or the way they think they need to do it and that expansion into that that recognition that you know, if you force yourself into a pose in an alignment that's not your alignment, like how that actually influences the rest of your life. Like, where else are you doing that? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. That's, I just, I, yeah, that's so fascinating. I think it's imperative that we have a standard idea of what alignment is. Yes. If we don't have a standard, then what are we ever working towards? There's no way to actually understand who we are, you know? So it's not that this alignment is wrong or, or right, but this would be standard. And if, if this line is standard, well, I'm over here. Well, that's okay. Are you in alignment with yourself? It doesn't mean the standard is right or the standard is alignment for you, but there is a standard so that you can actually gauge who you are within that that container yes mm, brilliant mm. well with within these other containers that you you know you had mentioned to me that we've um kind of jammed on a bit is there is there another one that you would like to dive into of how we can use it as a container um, you know, like I'm right off the top of my head, I was just kind of thinking about mantra. You talked about kind of yeah. breath work. You talked about asana and another, another layer of kind of the yoga practice is mantra. Yeah. Um, and it's taken me a long time to kind of move into, into that practice, that ritual. Um, but it's been really fascinating to me, that one, um, in the sense that like that container, it, I find it so powerful in the, the repetition of a mantra, repetition of a certain string of words over and over again, um, really kind of forcing you into not being able to leave the container. Um, for me, the, the ability to say one word after the next, after the next, after the next, like 108 times over and over and over again, like I don't, I, there is no space for me to go outside that container and think, well, what am I going to have for dinner? No, because I need to be actually having verbal words come out of my mouth. And uh, within that, within that repetition of, of sounds that I need to produce over and over again is, is a freedom from the thoughts mm. and a, um, I think um, a connection to the who am I, you know, if, mm -hmm. if you can be still enough with it. So that, that's been fascinating for me. The, it's uh, more powerful, you know, when I'm in an asana, like my thoughts can run everywhere. Mm -hmm. Whereas when I'm speaking a mantra, my thoughts, they're not able to run everywhere. Um, right. So very powerful container even with breath work i find when i'm doing different breath work my thoughts can run mm -hmm. but for some reason with the mantra it really kind of focuses it to the exclusion of all other thoughts yeah you know? really totally. concentrates the mind um mm -hmm. yeah so it's, it's kind of building it's building a a mental muscle in a sense of of actual like true presence and focus without the wandering Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The other ritual, this is, this gets me excited right now. I'm super um, excited kind of diving into over the next month. I'm kind of trying to figure out a path to experience it um, is the, the whirling dervishes. Have you looked into that? I, I'm, this is, I'm familiar with it, but I can't recall why or what it is. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a ritual within um, the practice of Sufism, and they they spin and they spin and they spin and they spin, and it's really quite like transfixing when you watch it. It's it's beautiful, and I kind of dove down the path like, why are they doing this? What is what is this ritual? Because each ritual, like I said to me, is just it worked for somebody to get to know who they are. So right. how is this working? And and kind of the simple simplest way to explain um, the conclusion I came to is is it's the spinning on the axis um, that allows you to get grounded, your physical body center grounded because you must be centered to spin for hours, and then allows like your spiritual soul self to kind of separate, and they say go higher, closer to God, you know, to leave your body so you can experience that separation. Um, and even if you don't believe in God, like to me, imagining like even spinning for five minutes, that like you again, you're you're in a container of an experiment, um, mm. getting to know yourself. But you can't think about anything else when you're spinning, because if you do, you're going to fall over. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you're forced into that. Who am I? You know, who am I in this incredibly uncomfortable thing that I'm doing? Um, and how can I find stillness and stay centered within that? What is alignment there? And that's a very physical alignment. Again, if you're not in alignment, if you're not centered physically, you're going to fall over. Mm-hmm. Right? So that to me is like, it's a very powerful container to experience. Wow. Is, is this something you've been playing with yourself or just kind of watching and observing? I, you know, it, it came up over the last week. Um, so it's something I'm, I'm I, like I said, I'm, I'm diving down. There's a path that's slowly being created. I'm, I'm <laughs> pretty close to finding a teacher, I think, at this point for studying it. Um, I do a ritual daily. It's called the five Tibetans and yep. there's five different rituals. And the first ritual is spinning. Um, mm-hmm. and, but you only spin 21 times, which mm-hmm. for some people is like crazy. But when I took that and then I started looking at these, um, whirling dervishes spinning for, like I said, hours, like I was like, wow. Um, and I also know that when I begin the five Tibetans, I can feel very, not connected, I, not God, maybe agitated. Um, and I spin 21 times. I just do the first one. And then, you know, you kind of find stillness and then you take a couple of breaths to allow everything to kind of come back into the center. Mm-hmm. There's an intuitive knowing that it, it's like a, a reset for everything, you know, and mm-hmm. like I have come back to truth. And mm-hmm. again, for me is I am love. Um, so mm. yeah, going down this like whirling dervish kind of the ritual, the practice of, of their spinning, um, is fascinating to me because I already have this, this knowing, this intuitive knowing that it's, it's, um, it's powerful. It's a powerful yeah. container to experience love. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And it, it's interesting that once, once you see at least one person doing something, you know, it's possible and then your mind starts stretching into I could do that. <laughs> oh, that could be me. Yeah. I yeah. could spin for hours. I, you know, yeah. it makes me one of the things that I've been really looking at as well in a lot of these different practices is that sometimes, um, and this is my assumption is that with the, the 21 spins for the, the initial step of the five Tibetans is, it's almost in a sense of like meeting the, the chaos and then bringing it in. You know, that's another another analogy that I've really loved recently is that, you know, if, if you're a first time meditator or, or you're just in an extreme sympathetic reaction that 
you know, for someone to say, you know, just relax or like, just breathe slowly. It's actually so far from possible in that moment right. that it, you know, it, it actually, it doesn't work. Like it's just too far of a stretch. And, and so the analogy I've been using is it's kind of like, well, you as your higher self is standing on one side of a bridge and you need to look over to see the part of you that's like in a complete chaos or fractured or sympathetically aroused and, and, and see that part of you and recognize that if you were just like, Hey, get the hell over here, cross the bridge over to peace, that it like doesn't work. But if you walked over the bridge and you met them in the activation, which could be like spinning or right. breathing really heavily or stepping into a cold shower, um, which I've been doing daily as well of like consciously step into the activation yeah. Yeah. and then you can guide yourself into a different state. Right. right? So I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, that spinning might be part of it is like, yeah, things are disorganized, a little chaotic and I'm just going to like move into it and I'm going to meet it and even like amp it up a little bit and then, it comes back down into stillness as soon as you stop. So you just took control of the roller coaster instead of just staying strapped in as if you have no choice. Absolutely. Yeah. That, I mean that the, the technique I use with a lot of um, private students, teaching them um, to, to bend backwards um, mm -hmm. on, on purpose, working on triggering fear, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of love. Um, and, that's just that's a, I'm grateful to be able to offer that to students um, because that's that's the ultimate to be able to go to that moment of like that trigger I'm going to die and and react to it but then be conscious okay I didn't die so let's go back to that place I think I'm going to die and see if I can br actually breathe there so can mm -hmm. I actually prove that I have life in this place where every like my my physical self my mental self is telling me like no you're going to die but then you have that separation of like well wait a minute mm -hmm. you're not in control here you know mm -hmm. i i am going to breathe and then you know being able to bring down the physiological response to be able to actually reduce your own cortisol mm -hmm. in those positions of fear you know and and yeah that container of yeah, yeah. wow i love it so amazing as my, my teacher, Christine Wischke, often says, what even are we? And I love every time she says that. I'm like, I know. What are we? What's happening? What is this? <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm, I'm curious if uh, what you would say about social media as a, as a container. You know, and this could be the way that we, we close our conversation. Um, just checking time here. Yeah, how how did you come up with that? Why did that make the list? What what do you think about social media as a container? I mean, I think it's I think it's it's very it's a very powerful container, um, and I think a lot of the times um, it's such an open container. Like the rituals we're talking about, the containers we're talking about allow us to get in. To, to silence the thoughts and get in touch with who am I. Um, but it's almost like social media allows those thoughts to go absolutely rampant. And, and in that place, I think there's a disconnection with who am I. It's incredibly difficult to stay centered in who am I with 
with all of that stimulus. It's a tremendous amount of stimulation, you know, mm-hmm. and the rituals we're talking about is really kind of trying to create a safe space, meaning there's, there's less stimulation. So we can yeah. the answer. Whereas, I mean, social media is absolutely a container um, in, you know, social media itself, or you could just say Instagram, but you can only take it so small, no matter what, there's just so much stimulation that I, I question if it's taking us further away from, from who am I, you know, mm-hmm. even being someone who practices daily and, and, and moves through, I move through my life with the search of like, okay, where's the screen? Where's the screen? Where's the screen? And so I can be in, in a, a platform like Instagram and I, I lose touch with the screen. I don't know who the screen is anymore. Where is the screen within this? All these mirrors that keep coming back as, as who is the screen? I think it's, it's challenging. It's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even in, in hearing that, it's kind of like, you know, the difference between what we've been talking about in terms of like a TV, the screen and a movie that plays out. There's even when it's a horror movie, like there's a there's semblance of cohesion, you know, and there's a storyline for the most part. Right. So when it comes to social media, it's, it's so disjointed. It's like one little story after another constantly. So it's, it's a much different type of stimulation that's coming at you. Like the speed at which things come at you just through scrolling is like, you know, I can feel stimulation in my body, like just thinking about it. It's a, it's a very different experience. And, and I'm also wondering trying to come up with an idea now of like, you know, even the fact that on our phones, if that's how you're using your social media, like you, it is a screen, right? Like the screen is there and you're watching all the things move. And I'm, I'm just, I'd be so curious to, to maybe sit and play with what reminder or what, maybe what you and I could do to help people recognize, like, as you're scrolling, like, just remember you're the screen, you're not the images that are being tossed in your direction. Right. Or the reactions you're having to the images being right. Which yeah. I think where we get lost, we start to like the, the screen is moving, all these images are happening and we start to think like we are the images or we are one with with what's moving. Whereas mm-hmm. we're not. Like when we turn the Instagram off, like we are that screen that was the same screen before we went on to the Instagram platform. Right. You know? Hmm. That's a really interesting way of, of looking at it. Mm. How how are you doing with your your social media? Do you put boundaries around yourself, or is there any any ritual or or anything that you do to remind yourself to to stay grounded within the world of social media? Yeah, when I when I when I I feel like social media for me is is an offering, um, and so for me, I just try to stay um, as authentic and truthful and offer what is present for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and hope that in some way that that offers some healing um, for somebody who is scrolling past is just another image, another mirror, another thought for them to, yeah. to gauge who they are. Um, in the last couple of weeks, it's, it's felt very loud to me, social media. Um, and as winter comes in, I felt um, the want to be quiet, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to kind of get more connected uh, to who I am. Um, and so staying close to different rituals or experiments that allow me to stay present with that. Um, I chose to kind of shut down 
social media and just really like take some space from it and it feels so good Mm -hmm. (laughs) like don't miss it at all I have more time for for creating containers you know that allow me to get closer to the truth closer to love um and i i intend on moving back into social media um i do not want to be separate from what's going on i want to be a part of um what's going on in in ways that that feel good so i know i'll step back into those those worlds eventually when it feels mm-hmm. like um offering in that way um is something that um feels in alignment with who i am yeah, yeah. beautiful so it's kind of like the the large vast container of social media it's something that you you're really clear on that there's not a lock on this container that's holding you in that when you move into it, you're offering, you're doing what you can to to support the container with this knowing of it is noisy and chaotic. And you're so aware that when it's not serving you or if you need a little bit of space from the noise, you just you just pull yourself out of the container and are just good with not being in that container for a while. Which is a container itself, right? That's an experiment. How, how, right. how am I within the container that doesn't include any social media in my day-to-day life? You know, that's mm. no longer my daily. So it's really just another container, another experiment of how does, how does this feel now? Who are you with no social media? You know? And I'm mm-hmm. someone who's like studying so much more and practicing so much more and, you know, having more conversations and, um, yeah, I'm enjoying this experiment. You know, it feels very much so in alignment with who I am right now. Um, like, I, like in how we started, but we, we both know that that change is inevitable and that the goal is to flow with, with that in the most, I think, honest, honest way possible to, to who you believe you are. Mm-hmm. Mm. This has been such a nourishing conversation. <laughs> You too. <laughs> mm, thank you. And I, I just really appreciate how, yeah, your honesty and authenticity and that, you know, I can toss an idea out there and, and you're not a, you're not a yes man in any way. Like you really sit and you're, you feel something and, um, and you're able to push back in the most loving way and, and add depth and, and content and context to things. Like it just, yeah, again, back to what I said in the beginning, like that's, that's why I get so excited about having conversations with you and that I, yeah, I just always feel so supported and I always learn a lot from, from stuff like this with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything left unsaid, anything else that you want to share before we say our goodbyes to our listeners? No. I love you. I love you. And I send love out to the world and, um, yeah, stay in alignment, centered, um, and know that peace is possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later.
Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, Dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it, and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.